First Chronicles 22. Then David said, This is the house of Yahweh God, and this is the altar of burnt offering for Israel. David gave orders to gather together the foreigners who were in the land of Israel, and he set masons to cut dressed stones to build God's house. David prepared iron in abundance for the nails, for the doors of the gates, and for the couplings, and bronze in abundance without weight, and cedar trees without number, for the Sidonians and the people of Tyre brought cedar trees in abundance to David. David said, Solomon my son is young and tender, and the house that is to be built for Yahweh must be exceedingly magnificent, of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Then he called for Solomon his son and commanded him to build a house for Yahweh the God of Israel. David said to Solomon his son, As for me, it was in my heart to build a house for the name of Yahweh my God. But Yahweh's word came to me saying, You have shed blood abundantly and have made great wars. You shall not build a house to my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you, who shall, excuse me, who shall be a man of peace. I will give him rest from all his enemies all around, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he will be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, May Yahweh be with you and prosper you, and build the house of Yahweh your God as he has spoken concerning you. May Yahweh give you discretion and understanding and put you in charge of Israel, so that you may keep the law of Yahweh your God. Then you will prosper if you observe to do the statutes and the ordinances which Yahweh gave Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and courageous, don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. Now behold, in my affliction I have prepared for Yahweh's house 100,000 talents of gold, 1 million talents of silver, and bronze and iron without weight, for it is in abundance. I have also prepared timber and stone, and you may add to them. There are also workmen with you in abundance, cutters and workers of stone and timber, and all kinds of men who are skillful in every kind of work. Of the gold, the silver, the bronze and the iron, there is no number. Arise and be doing, and may Yahweh be with you. David also commanded all the princes of Israel to help Solomon, his son, saying, Isn't Yahweh your God with you? Hasn't he given you rest on every side? For he has delivered the inhabitants of the land into my hand, and the land is subdued before Yahweh and before his people. Now set your heart and your soul to follow Yahweh your God. Arise, therefore, and build the sanctuary of Yahweh God to bring the ark of Yahweh's covenant and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built for Yahweh's name. So David wanted to build God a house. We've talked about this quite a few times before in other chapters. And when he found out that he wasn't to do it because he was a man who had shed a great deal of blood, and he found out that his son was to do it because his son would be a man of peace, he decided he was going to do every single thing possible he could do right up to the absolute limit to make that temple happen. Now, a lot of people, what they do is they, they're looking 
for what they can get away with right up to the absolute amount. So that, a lot of believers, especially younger people, but you know, pretty much everyone in general, says to themselves, what's the minimum I've got to do to keep God happy? <laughs> and then they figure out how they can just do the minimum so that they're saved and they're in God's good books. And then they want to live their own way that they want. But David, God says to him, he's not allowed to build the temple, but he really wants to do something for God. So he's trying to do the maximum amount he can do right up to the limit of where he couldn't do any more. It's a very, very noble attitude. So apart from the fact that he couldn't build the temple, he puts aside resources. He starts putting aside gold and silver and bronze and iron and trees, and he gets workers together. As we're gonna find out, he gets the plans drawn up. And in all the chapters ahead, we're gonna find out how he organizes the worshipers, organizes the musicians, organizes the guards on the door, the priests and the roster of the priests. He goes to detail to get this thing organized. And you know what, we call it Solomon's temple but it's really David's temple because the whole thing is his idea. It's his dream. It's, he's organized it. He's planned it. He practically did everything except say, all right, start building. But even that he did. He even told his son, now you build this thing. <laughs> he gave him everything he needed and said, do it. So it's it's really David's temple. Um, I don't, no one else, it seemed, it seemed the idea of building God a house did not seem to have occurred to anyone else. There's some great men in the Bible, you know, even Moses, you know, undoubtedly one of the greatest people in the entire Bible, never had the idea of building God a house. He, you know, Moses, the idea of building God a tent didn't even come from Moses. That came from God. But after God has a tent, everyone else is living in houses, but no one even thinks maybe God wants a house or a temple. It doesn't occur to anyone, and I suspect it would never have occurred to Solomon either, except for David says, you build the house <laughs> and and unfortunately it doesn't occur to too many people at all that we ought to be about the business of building god's house most people think that's a pastor's job they're not worried about what god wants or what might be good for god or what might bless him they're only thinking about their own stuff and so david is a man like no other taking an initiative on behalf of god this is why he's one of the greatest men in history and uh, he had an inquiring mind. He had a heart filled with spirit-led initiative. He's a unique person in all of history. Now here, it says that he set aside, in this version of the Bible at least, sometimes the numbering, uh, the way things are numbered in translations can be slightly different. And it all has to do with how you interpret the original text. In this version it is said that David set aside 100,000 talents of gold and a million talents of silver towards this project. Now that is an insane amount of money. It depends on how you measure it, um, but I, you know, I did some Googling because I was trying to work out how much was this in equivalent modern day currency, and it was very hard to work this out. One of the problems with working out a Bible comparison to now, for example, is that the Bible wasn't just written at one moment in history, the Bible's written over thousands of years. So say, for example, the idea of a, there being a talent of gold, a talent of gold isn't worth the same amount at every different time in history. And it isn't always calculated the same either. So it's not just about the fact that there's inflation and the value changes, it's also measured differently at different times in different places. You know, so there were Roman talents, Jewish talents, Phoenician talents. There were lots of different types of talents. 
they weren't all the same measurement. You know, like there's empirical, empirical ounces and then there's American ounces. There's all sorts of ounces, dry ounces, wet ounces. Even in our modern times, there's lots of different ways of measuring things. So it's, it's hard for starters to just work out what type of talent was it? How was that particular talent measured? And what was it worth at the time of, say, King David? Um, so that's one of the complexities there. Well, uh, I was reading a bunch of pages about this, and one page that I found by a Bible researcher on Cora.com, someone had asked this question, you know, what was a biblical talent worth at the time of Solomon? Someone had said that it was, it was a weight of 34.2 kilograms of gold, was a talent of gold. Well, if that was correct, based on the current gold price, which, is like, which I got off goldprice.org yesterday, uh, one talent of gold, just one talent is worth $1.938 million. So if you had 100,000 of those, you're talking $1.9 trillion. So we're talking just a whisker under $2 trillion of gold. And you have to say to yourself, all right, was David capable of, of having that level of wealth? And you'd have to say, I think he was. And um, there's lots of opinions about this. But for someone who conquered all the nations around, he conquered the Philistines, conquered the Edomites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the, the you know, the Gerar, the Assyr- the Ass- not the Assyrians, but the Syrians, and even further north, people were starting to give him, you know, uh, tribute, and all the way to the Euphrates River, and down south, you know, Egyptians starting to be friendly, and tr- trade routes opening up, and so I think he definitely had the capability of having trillions of dollars and the, the population, we just did a census of Israel and found that there were 1.1 million men aged from you know 20 and up. So right away we know we've got at least 2.2 million adults aged 20 up, adding all the children and everything. We've got close to 3 million people in this nation and then you've got all the nations around. So you're talking you know, 10, 15, 20 million people. So you've got the potential there for you know, $2 trillion. You do, that's just the gold. The silver price, though, it's not worth as much as gold, but it also tallied up to just over to $2.4 trillion, according to my calculation. So between the gold and the silver, we've got over $4 trillion of value set aside for a temple, mind you. When we were actually doing the temple chapters in 2 Kings, 2 Kings, you know, 5, 6, 7, 8 through there, we calculated that the man hours of labor alone were worth $100 billion in today's equivalent um, currency. So I, I can't, I don't know for sure that my estimates are accurate. I suspect they're probably not. It's, it's just too hard to know. But uh, between the estimate of the labor that was put in, in, that Solomon actually did put in, and between the type of amount of talents that were put aside, what we're really seeing here is a huge investment in God's house. So I guess, you know, that's all we really need to know is there was a huge investment made. And I guess the question we need to ask ourselves is, are we willing to make a huge investment for God's house? The true house of God is not buildings, but although we do invest in buildings too because they're used by the Lord, but the real house of God is God's people. It's the love between churches. It's the working together of, of different parts of the body of Christ. When we work together, we really build the house and it becomes something magnificent for the Lord to dwell in. And that's what we should be working towards with our prayers, with our heart, with our love for other Christians. 
we need to have the heart of David that just wants to do everything possible, as much as the Lord will allow us to build his house. So Lord, we thank you for this chapter. And we just see and hear the heart of a man who was so determined to serve you. Lord, let that heart be in us as well. We, we acknowledge our weakness and our failings. We acknowledge that we often not like this. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to be strong with a love for God and with a love for God's people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 